You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jennifer. And uh, we have a lot to get to uh, in this episode. It's been a, been a little while since we had a regular non-player of the month episode. Uh, and uh, there's there's a lot of some good news and, and some not so good news uh, when it comes to Montreal Canadiens. Uh, before we get into that, the last of the major sports pro leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops, spending action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, joining me today, we have Matt Drake. Uh, Matt, how are you? I'm terrific. And uh, we have uh, the fugitive himself, uh, Anton Rosgard. Anton, how are you doing? Yes, it feels so weird having been in the same spot now for five months. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. You stole somebody's identity and you're living under a false pseudonym. We, I mean, we all it's, know exactly that's true. And Anton Rosgard is still in the same place. <laughs> I mean, but Sprague, Sprague ribbon soin is somewhere else. Yeah, it's it, it's the uh, the first time you've been in the same place in five months since you were in prison. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's one of the things that we're we're gonna you know the, the big talking points uh, around the Canadians the last few few weeks or even few days. Uh, it feels like it's been going on for a long time, but the season's only a few weeks old, so it can't be that long. It, is it was the play of Uri Slavkovsky his development, where to put him in the lineup. And it just so happened that uh, next to Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield wasn't that bad of a place. <laughs> and and he really emerged uh, as uh, as a player who was able to, to get things going. He scored his first goal of the season on the power play, ironically not with Caulfield and Suzuki on the ice. Uh, but but I think but that he had Alex probably... Newark on the ice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> what are the odds? Um, and and it's it's just kind of funny how he finally got going, showed a lot more confidence, was able to play offensively and not in the defensive zone, and and that's exactly what the Canadians needed to see from from Uri Slavkovsky, right? A hundred percent. I mean, it, it went about as good as they could have hoped for it to go, especially a five on five. Um, I felt like he he looked dangerous. He was involved in the play. Um, it, it seems like it just works better for him on that line than it has anywhere else, except for like the one lone exception to that is when Kirby Doc was available and when he was able to play on that line with Doc. Um, he looked very good there as well, but that was very short-lived. So I, I think this is the spot for him moving forward, at least for now. If this doesn't work out or if it starts to stagnate, um, then I would probably think that we need to revisit the idea of letting him have a stint uh, with the Rocket. Because you, you can't put him back on that new hook line. It wasn't working. It was looking horrible every single night. And it was really what was feeding into a lot of those calls to send him down to Laval. Because, you know, everybody's looking at it and they're seeing him, you know, night after night put up zero points. Night after night, that line's getting ran over at five on five. 
Um, I, I don't necessarily think that it was his fault. I just think that line was poorly constructed. I don't think that they worked together and they needed to try something different. They did. And it worked. I think I would go even a step further there. And I would say they should put him on that top power play unit with Cole and Nick and see if that can spark that unit as well. Uh, because that top unit has been anemic for the last few games in a row. Um, there, there was a point a few games back where we thought, you know, the power play was starting to become a strength for this team. Uh, but that evaporated in the last two games. And we've seen in particular that top unit looking completely anemic. I would throw Slavkovsky on there. If he's going to play with them at five on five, why not let him have a shot there on the power play as well? You're still kind of feeling things out here and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And uh, that, that could maybe be something that sparks the top unit to start getting some production, um, which is something that they really need to have happen because as, as much as nobody's expecting them to make the playoffs this year, when they want to get back into being a playoff contender, they're going to need a serviceable power play. Uh, and right now it's the second unit is, is the only one that can get anything done. So I hate to kneecap them and pull Slavkovsky off that unit, especially considering that he scored a goal there last game. But I think it's, it's a logical next step is, well, if you're going to play with Nick and Cole, let's play with them all situations. Yeah, I think as well, uh, if you look at, it's easy to pile on Juraj Slavkovsky because he's uh, the number one pick and you want to see a lot from him um, so that he can be a cornerstone for the team moving forward. But I think it's been well exaggerated at the start of this season, the way people have been, you know, asking for him to go for a stint in Laval and saying he's not ready and everything like he was supposed to be um, on Kirby Doc's line. Kirby Doc gets injured in the second game of the season. It's just, it's very unfortunate for the development of that potential um, potential duo. Um, it also creates the, uh, with Christian Dvorak gone, it, it creates a, a difficult system change for for Martin Saint-Louis and his coaching staff because all of a sudden you have to take Alex Newhook who you wanted to maybe ease into the team like you did with Kirby Doc last year all of a sudden he has to become the second line center uh, which is something that you know it, it's not something that he was supposed to do this early in his Canadian's career and all of a sudden a lot of responsibility is on his shoulders so he now has to like get to know his teammates Newhook at the same time as he has to teach Slavkovsky um, how to be an efficient winger in the league. Also, Josh Anderson is is very up and down as a player, and, and that is also something that may not help a, a young centerman trying to find his groove at a new position. Um, so I think for Slavkovsky, it's just it's easier and it's calmer for, for everyone involved if you put him with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield because those guys at least know their value in the league. They know their like their strengths and weaknesses, and they can um, they can really be uh, mentoring uh, Slavkovsky, uh, even if they're not playing super well every night. Um, it doesn't matter because you know they they are signed up for the long term. They're going to be here for the long term. They know that uh, the Canadians' offense is built around them, and um, I think it's a perfect solution to try Slavkovsky at least for for an extended amount of time. We know that uh, someone like Rafael Harpipina. Now, uh, he could probably be a, a good, um, you know, pe like third part of that line as well. But he has less upside, obviously, being older and, um, you know, having having not having uh, that level of skill that Slavkovsky potentially could have. So just seeing Slavkovsky there in, a, in an all offense role where he starts a lot of his shifts in the offensive zone, I, I think it's great. And I agree with Matt, put him on the first power play as well. Let him make mistakes. You have nothing to lose this year anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know he had he had four shots in the game against uh, St. Louis on Saturday, which uh, tied his career high. He's only hit that mark one other time. Yeah, uh, and and that that's that's a key too, right? Like getting the puck on your stick and and, and having the confidence to shoot it is is a big is a big part of of why people wanted to go to Laval. So if he can do that on the top line, and and you know while the Canadians had a really bad game against St. Louis. That top line was was very good. Uh, they, they had you know they controlled most of the chances. They had most of the chances the Canadians had all night. Uh, was was while they were on the ice, and so I, I think you know early returns. It's only one game, obviously, but I I think that you know like Anton said, Harvey Pinard was never seen as like the long term answer on that line. It was always a question to who would be the long term answer on that line, and I know Matt is you know. Probably you know want to sit wants to say Joshua Law right now, <laughs> uh, and but 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 he's obviously one of the options. But the the ideal from a team building perspective and from an expectations point of view, the ideal thing would be that Uri Savkovsky would be that guy. And if the answer to who is the long term answer next to Suzuki and Caulfield is the same answer as how do you get Savkovsky going, uh, that 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 works out pretty well. Uh, in in terms of in terms of what you can do, so uh, it's uh, I think that you know I always thought it was kind of overblown, like like Anton said as well. Like um, Kirby Doc, they spent all preseason getting the chemistry between Doc and Slavkovsky to a point where it would be very good, and for through two games, all we were talking about was wow, how how much better does Slavkovsky look? And then like not even two weeks later, it's like. Oh, they have to send him down now. Uh, he looks horrible, and, and I think that yeah, yeah, it's an adjustment to to get everything going. And and um, yeah, I, I think you know if if this is the long term answer, and, and we're not expecting him to get like you know eighty points or anything like that, but if he can show progress in that role, uh, it, it's it's a very good development for the Canadians. Yeah, you mentioned the shots. The, the shots was key for me. I talked about this so many times on the bottom six minutes. It looked like ever since Doc went down that Slavkovsky was just too tentative, right? He's double clutching the puck. He's not letting some shots go that he very easily could have. And I think that was part of the, that was the crux of the argument for putting him down Laval was not you're too bad to be playing in the NHL. He was clearly good enough to be in the NHL. He's looked good enough to play in the NHL the issue was getting that confidence piece getting that timing piece down and it just wasn't happening for him on the line that he was on right the the Josh Anderson Newhook line was a complete failed experiment uh they stuck with that longer than they even should have and you know four shots on goal in one game that's not bad that is like you mentioned for him a career high um if he can keep that up, if he can keep putting those pucks on it, you know, eventually it's going to start rolling for him, right? He's going to start having some of those opportunities go in. That's going to build the confidence piece. And then he's going to, you know, start to understand a little bit more when he should let it go, when he should not let it go. Um, it, it's going to be big for his, his development in general. So it was always a game of figuring out what they could do to get that confidence up. Um, that's why people were arguing for Laval. But now if, if he can do it on the top line, he can do it in the NHL. I, I don't think that there's any reason to send him down. So, you know, keep that together. Let them figure it out. Let them continue developing that chemistry between the three of them and uh, see if it can't be something uh, moving forward. Again, like you said, I definitely would make my argument for Joshua Hoya, but at the moment, 
Josh Marois is not playing for the Habs. And Uri Slokowski has to be a priority from a development standpoint on the Habs. So he's the guy right now. I, I wouldn't change anything about that, at least for the next few games. Um, I think they should be rolling with that and, and you know, and, until it doesn't work. And if it stops working, then at that point, you got to reevaluate. But it's also interesting. When you look at his goal, that's not a goal of a player who lacks confidence. You're it's right. a very it's a very oh. cheeky goal for, for someone who hasn't scored yet in, what was it, a year's time, um, including the injury. Um, it was it was more like you saw on him that he was relieved when he when he got that goal, just as Nick Suzuki was relieved when he got his first of the season. Um, it was it was just someone who like it looked like someone who believed in his ability, who felt like, well, I'm stronger than I was last year. It's just that, as as we've said, like that line didn't work, and that can be for a number of different reasons. But you know, um, so so I don't think it was Slavkovsky's fault. I just think you needed to reshuffle the lines uh, to get something better out of all of it. it. It's the same. Like Josh Anderson has looked good in in several other settings. He just didn't look good in this setting. Alex Newhook looked great the few, first few games. He just didn't look good in this setting. So if you shuffle them around, if you maybe get Christian Dvorak up to pace and he can take that role. Um, great. Like the Canadians should be, uh, you know, some, a team to that can compete on any given night at least yeah it's funny because you know lots of people would be like oh see like that goal you know gave his his confidence back but the play that caused the goal was confident like that that showed me that confidence wasn't the issue um for for Slavkovsky because it wasn't like the goal got him going uh the, the goal was pretty much made by him um with, with the the give and go and then the the play at the net like that's a that's a confident play uh, and so I think that that's, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people wanted him to go to Laval was, you know, he, he's not confident. I think that showed that he he is confident. Um, and, and that was never the issue. The issue was, you know, he was on a line that wasn't really playing in the offensive zone very often. And and when you do that, you're, you know, you're more tentative by nature, right? Like if you're if, if you're always playing in a defensive zone, your your main goal when you have the puck is to not give it away. Right. And, and so I think that that plays into it a, a little bit as well. We, we mentioned the top power play struggling. Uh, a lot of that is because of Michael Matheson and, and I don't want to pile on him too much, but it's clear that something is not right with him. He's, he's not managing the puck. Well, he's not collecting passes he he just seems off, and I think that that shows it shows on even strength too. You, you know, you just have to watch Saturday's game to see a lot of defensive things going wrong when he was on the ice. But it really it really stands out on the power play because you need somebody to kind of resettle the play and to reload the attack. And when he's not doing that, there's not really anybody else to do that on that first unit. Uh, I don't think Slavkovsky yeah. necessarily is the answer there either in terms of that specific role, but but you know w- what's what's going on with with Mike Matheson because even though he's making nice plays and was collecting points early on, he he never seemed to be the 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 Mike Matheson from from last year, and it's only gotten worse since David Savard got injured, and and uh, I think that there's not a lot of veterans on this Canadian's defense. And when he is not at his best, 
uh, it really shows the Canadians team as a whole is kind of looking for its, its conscience a little bit, right? Like it, it just seems like yep. they all look to him and when he's not right, it's like, Oh, what do we do now? And and what you see is the chaos uh, of, of Saturday's game. Unfortunately. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's extending to all situations too. Like you mentioned the power yep. play for sure. He's a big part of why that top unit hasn't had any success and then five on five. I mean, man, in that last game, he made some brutal decisions without the puck, right? Like he's pinching at the offensive blue line in moments where you just absolutely don't want to be pinching. He can't hold the line. Uh, he's making breakout passes uh, that that don't make a lick of sense. It The going theory, I think, and it, again, this is people trying to armchair doctorate on Twitter, right? But the going theory is that he's playing hurt. And if that's the case, then this is my first gripe with the new medical staff is get him the fuck off the ice. If he is playing hurt, then absolutely rethink every decision that you're making. Get him out of there. Get somebody else in. Right. It's not worth it. Number one, for his health in this season, because this is not a team that's expected to go and win the Stanley Cup or even make the playoffs. So what are you doing if that's what you're doing? Um, And number two, even if you were. It's not worth it for his health. So uh, if that's what it is, if he's playing hurt, then get him out of there. If this is just him, you know, falling off a cliff in terms of productivity in his career, then it's going to require some finesse by the coaching staff to figure out a way to hide some of his defaults in the lineup because he was expected to be like the number one guy going into this season. He was not expected to be the weak link. At the, at the beginning of this year, you could see maybe Arbor Jacki being the weak link on defense. You could see Jordan Harris, sure. Uh, you would think, you would expect one of the younger guys to be the weak link, but it's been Mike Matheson so far. And, and when you look at the defensive pairings that they've run so far, the only time that Matheson was remotely effective was, as you mentioned, when he was playing with David Savard. And now we don't have him. And every other pairing that he's been on has tanked brutally, right? The best pairing that they've run all year has been Caden Gooley and Johnny Kovacevic. They can't run that now because it, it's it's going to take away from the other pairings as a result of putting those two back together. And it's, it's just, it, it's tough right now for the has because he's tanking every pairing that he's on. He's making some horrible decisions. Again, I really hope that he's not playing hurt, but if that's the case, then we've got a, an, another serious problem in Montreal. I'm not going to overreact to this. Like um, Mike Matheson showed enough promise last year um, that I believe that's just a temporary slump. Um, I, I would need to see him play badly for 20, 30, 40 games before I believe that something has gone terribly wrong. Uh, obviously, he needs to take more responsibility with Savar out as much as we'd like to pile on David David Savar. He's an experienced guy, and uh, it's the same as when they had Ben Chirot. Like Those experienced guys, at least you know you get the 20 minutes out of them every night. You don't have to shield them. And obviously, like if Mike Madison just has... Um, I imagine that he's, you know, seeing what he does wrong. And obviously, as a as a professional athlete, you get in your own head uh, then, and you realize that what what is what is actually not working right now, and you try to fix it. And the more you try to fix it, the more it can actually like it doesn't come naturally to you. Um, and when you are like like you said, the only experienced defenseman on the roster, basically. 
and you are an assistant yeah. captain of the team, then then obviously you want, and you're a local guy as well, you want to be a reason why the team is succeeding. You obviously don't want to be the reason the team is losing. So I, I just think he's too much in his head. And and like I, I, I believe that Martin Saint-Louis probably sees it the, the same way, that you know he need, just needs to relax and and like believe that the, the game should come to him rather than him seeking up uh, like uh, different situations and trying to do too much. So... Um, like I, I loved the Mike Matheson we saw for large parts of the last season, and and I believe that he has made steady progress since since he was uh, you know a younger guy in the league, and and I still believe it was a great trade. So so I think that you know I don't know if it takes you know um, getting an experienced guy in there, like if you need Saval to come back, or if you need to you know trade a late round pick just to get someone who can just pile up twenty minutes a night um, to just take some of the um, well responsibility off Matheson. But I believe that when we come to February March, um, he will be back um, as we saw him last year. I'm hoping for sooner, obviously, but I'm just saying like long term, I have no. I have no reason yet to not believe in uh, Mike Matheson as a Habs player. Yeah, you know what? You know what I would do, and this this might sound wild because everybody saw how bad the the Matheson and, and Baron pairing was. But I would make that my third pairing. I, I would drop Mike Matheson down. I'd cut his ice time. And you you talked about you know making or, or trying to get him to a point where he can let the game come to him a little bit more. The problem is, like you said, you know maybe he's trying to do too much out there. He's he's made some pretty incredible plays. Like he had that end to end goal uh, against I forget who it was. I can't believe I can't even remember who it was. There's only been eleven games and I can't remember who they played when he went end to end. But I, I would put him on the third pair with Justin Barron. I'd make my top pair Caden Gooley and Johnny Kovacevic. I think they need to face facts right now. Caden Gooley is your number one defenseman. He's your number one. I, I throw experience all that other shit out the window. Your best defenseman right now is Caden Gooley. So make him that. Give him that role. Put him back with Johnny Kovacevic and make that your top pair. Arbor, I, Jack, I, 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 Jordan I, I just want to say say there to to you, Matt. The problem is though, if you put Kaden Gulli as your number one defenseman and and something actually like goes wrong for him, you can actually hamper his development like long term because. Uh, like you want him to develop steadily right so like if mike madison makes mistakes he at least has like 10 years in this league to to fall back upon so it's it's mm -hmm. it's probably no it doesn't hurt him as much going forward probably but but like kaden gully like if you rely on him too much too early then maybe you will actually get um well the alex galchenyuk conundrum I, I disagree very strongly on that yeah. because you've seen the best games Caden Gooley has played so far this season is when he's number one in terms of ice time. When they use him a lot, when they have him out there on the ice a lot, he plays like their best defenseman. When they limit his ice time, that's where he doesn't seem to be able to get himself going as much. And it's not like he has bad games, just not as effective as he is when they're giving him the ice time. I think they should run with it. I think they should recognize that right now your most productive defenseman, your best looking defenseman on the ice has been Gooley. Give him that role. And if it doesn't work after four or five games, you adjust, right? It's not like they're saying, okay, Caden Gooley, he's going to become the number one defenseman. He's going to be on the top pair. And that's it for the rest of the season. It's never going to change again. I think this is at least until and at least Mike Matheson can get back to some semblance of what he was last season. And this would enable you to run Caden Gooley, Johnny Kovacevic as your top pair. You could run Arbor Jack with Jordan Harris in the middle. And then the bottom pair, you're running Justin Barron and Mike Matheson. You try to shelter them a little bit, get them out there against lesser competition. Maybe, you know, spark him a little bit to the point where he gets back to, again, some semblance of what he was last year. And you, you, you might be a little bit more productive. Again, do you give a shit about winning games right now? Not really. 
what what really matters is again development and also at the very least putting together a product that's watchable for the fans uh, I think everybody's going to be fine with this team finishing in the bottom 10 and getting a good draft pick as long as they're watchable on the ice. The last couple of games haven't been very watchable. And uh, that that's where I think a shakeup is needed. And that's precisely what I do. I drop them down to the third pair and see if maybe sheltering them a little bit with Justin Barron gets them both going a little bit more uh, offensively and, and gives them an opportunity to kind of regroup a little bit. And then you can give Caden Gooley a run, right? Let, let him take over a little bit of the blue line. He's somebody that you're expecting to be able to do that within the next couple of years anyways. Why not now? Yeah, exactly. But but that's the thing, though, with Caden Gooley. Like, you expect him to be your number one defenseman going forward, right? If all goes well. So yeah. that that's obviously... And as you say, like, the team is not expected to win anyway. So, like, then it doesn't really matter who plays in the first pairing, right? Like, you say all that's important is that they're watchable. Like, I, I agree with that. But I'm just saying, like, then... It doesn't really matter if Caden Gooley plays on the first pairing and Matheson on the third pairing. They like, I'm just saying what you want is for this team to be good in two or three seasons. And I'm just expecting like maybe Caden Gooley is better if he plays, you know, the second most minutes per night. Yeah, like I'm just thinking that for a 20 year old playing in the league, maybe it can be a lot of um expectations on his shoulders um if you play if you like rely on him as your number one defenseman this early i'm not saying like obviously we've talked about Juraj Slavkovsky being lifted up to the first line and that's a good thing like but yeah I, i'm just saying like matheson if he fails he should have enough experience to shrug it off in the long run but if Kaden Gooley goes out there and gets hammered maybe it will hamper him down the line uh, maybe yeah, I, I mean, it can't get any worse for Kate Cooley than than when he played with David Savard last year. Um, <laughs> I mean that that was that was pretty bad. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from from David Savard. I'm not blaming him, but I mean that was that was kind of the proof where he wasn't ready for for that kind of of role. But I I think yeah, I think this year you you can you can lean on him a little bit more. And, and to Matt's point, you know, when he mentioned about playing hurt, the the reason why you might think that is because. He left the game against Winnipeg uh, early, played only 16-15 in that game. Before that, he was playing 26-39, 24-34, 25-38, 26-23, 24-06, 26-37, 28 in the game against Columbus right before uh, he left the Winnipeg game. Since coming back, 22 22-36, 21-23, uh, his, his three lowest uh games uh in terms of ice time and i think that's good i think that martin saying that we can clearly see that he's not playing at his best right now and so i'm happy to see that he's not at that 28 minute range uh and i i don't think it's injury related just because a lot of the things he's doing wrong is simply handling the puck <laughs> and, and i'm not sure i'm not sure what yeah. could have what what injury would cause that? And the other thing is that the, the team has been very very uh, conservative in terms of letting injured players play, and, and I think that that's um, you know we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I would be surprised if this is the one that that goes against what they've been done because you know when Gooley got hurt that first time he didn't come back in the game. Um, same thing with Doc; uh, they've been pretty. Uh, pretty good. Harvey Pinard as well left the game and, and ha- didn't come back. 
um, or whereas we've seen players come back in the same game and then leave for two, three weeks afterward. Um, so I, I don't think that's a concern yet. Uh, but I do think, yeah, the Canadians need to find a way to, to get him back. I'm not overly worried like Anton either. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that they are put, stepping back his, his ice time uh, the last three games, and I think that's a good thing. And I think yeah. that they, they, they have to figure out, the like, like the forwards, and we talked about this with Slavkovsky, they have to figure out the best pairings, right? Like, they, they've been relatively healthy. Obviously, Gouli was out for a little while. Savard is out now. Um, Matt Matheson, you know, has been, uh, you know, left the game and, and then came back uh, afterwards. They they had you know Gustav Lindstrom playing a few games. It, it's kind of okay, you know. Justin Barron was a healthy scratch to start the year, and now he, you know, lately he's been one of their most productive defenders. So it's it's kind of finding that chemistry again. The kind of they spent so much time figuring out this. The, the stuff to start the season. And that, and that's what Martin St. Louis said. Like I remember early in preseason, he's like, this isn't necessarily preparation for opening night. It's if we need to switch things up, we need to be able to see who can play with who. And, and you're seeing that really early on in the season where it, it's, they're kind of figuring out, okay, who has chemistry, who doesn't. And, and there's a lot of new faces, especially, you know, Alex Newhook, there's a lot of people who haven't played together. So it's like, okay, where do they fit? You know, Christian Dvorak played on Saturday, had no, basically no full practices or, or anything like that or preseason games before that. So you're kind of figuring out, okay, who can play with who? What do we have here? And it's it's a, it's kind of a jigsaw puzzle. And, and what you're seeing is that the way that Martin St. Louis plays chemistry is very important because there's no positions on the ice, right? Like you can look at a play and see the two defenders forechecking and the forwards playing back. And, and I think that you really have to understand who you're playing with and what their tendencies are to adjust on the fly. And and I think that that's why the Canadians at times look so disorganized. It's because, you know, for, for, you know, basically they are disorganized because they don't know where they're going to be on the ice. And so it's, it's a kind of a a give and take that they have to do, but it, it's um, the early returns, you know, uh, other than the uh, a few games here and there, the Canadians have by and large looked very competitive. And the what, what's fun is that they, they've bounced back from poor performances well. Like I, I remember we were doing a podcast, I think it was me and Matt, uh, after the Minnesota game, and right when Doc uh, was out for the season and the vibes were not good, right? Like that was about as low as, as I think we've gotten over the last few years. And easily. And now, you know, afterwards the, the team went on a, you know, a relatively, you know, won, won four of the five games uh, after that Minnesota game. Uh, and now they're right back into a three game losing streak. And, and so, you know, it, it's going to be ups and downs. This isn't a, this isn't a consistent team, and and what we've seen throughout this season, especially on Saturday, is that when this team is not at their best, they're not good enough to cope, and, and that's fine. They're not supposed to be, right? It, it's there, there's a lot of better teams than the Canadians that are playing worse than the Canadians right now. Uh, you can you look want at Toronto, you can look at Edmonton, you can look at teams like Ottawa and Buffalo, uh, teams that were expected to be better than Montreal and, uh, you know, so far have, have not shown much uh, in, in that sense. So 
Yeah. It's a process, right? And and you I want, think that, go ahead. You, you want some good news though, before we get too far away from the defenseman. <laughs> and I'm cheating because I pulled up the stats, right? I'm gonna ask you guys, take a guess. Who do you think are the top three defensemen in the Montreal Canadiens in terms of expected goals for at five on five? Who do you think are the top three that have played at least hundred minutes? I, I'm gonna say Covey, Gooley, Baron. I'm gonna say Matheson. Uh, just be just because we've been speaking uh, so negatively about him. I'm gonna say Matheson, Baron, and Kovi. So, Anton, you got one of them. Jared, you got two of them. The top three right now that have played at least a hundred minutes are Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, and Justin Barron. Caden Gooley's at fifty-seven point six percent expected goals for a five-on-five. Arbor Jacki's at fifty-six point eight seven. Justin Barron's at fifty-one point nine one. Mike Matheson dead last. 37.8. So yeah. uh, not to toot my own horn, but I was right, uh, as I always am, as we know. But um, <laughs> the, the key is, it, you know, number one, the, the one that surprised me when I pulled this up was Arbor Jacka, because I haven't looked at these stats in detail. But I think you got to throw some flowers at how well Arbor Jacka has actually fared in this season. Uh, he's, you know, taken some, some dumb penalties and stuff, but uh, good to see him up there. And really, to, to talk about a positive for the Montreal Canadiens, that's three young defensemen that are leading the charge right now in terms of expected goals. They all have very good uh, high danger chance numbers as well, which suggests that, you know, they're, they're mitigating the high danger chances against, and then you're getting better chances when they're on the ice. And that's three guys that are still very, very young in their careers. Justin Barron's barely played in the NHL. You, you, you look at, you know, Caden Gooley and Arbor Jack, are the, are the two most experienced out of the three that are leading the team. And those guys have barely played in the NHL. This is very good news for the Habs. And Jared, you also brought up something important, right? There are teams right now that are just right around where Montreal is in the standings and they were expected to be blowing us out of the water. So I, I think for all the negativity and all of the bad things that you could take, especially from the last two games that they've played, there are positives, and I think a big one there is, you know, the the fact that I can even sit here and and make the argument that you should try to put Caden Gooley as a number one over an experienced guy like Mike Matheson. It's rooted in the fact that we're seeing really good performances from some young players on the defensive uh, on the defensive core, and that's great news. As these guys get more experience, they should get even better, and this could be a very competitive team with a strong young blue line uh, in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I was. I think it's a good yeah, I was just going to ask, how, how's Jordan Harris's stats looking? Well, Jordan Harris is right behind Justin Barron, actually. So yeah. in terms of expected so goals for, uh, he's at 48.42. And his high danger chance numbers are actually quite good. 52.86 uh, in the Habs' favor when he's on the ice. Um, another young th- Those are, yeah, another young defenseman uh, who's doing well at mitigating high danger chances again. So, like, they might be getting outshot and out-attempted when he's on the ice, but as long as you're mitigating those high danger chances, I think that's the most important stat, right? I think in, in the last, you know, 10 years, as stats have become more and more used or rather fancy stats have become more and more used. I think a lot of people like to look at Corsi and they go, Oh, well, that's a pretty good surrogate for possession. So if you have bad Corsi numbers, then it means that you are bad. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I like to really look at the expected goals for, and the, and the high danger chances and the scoring chances in general. Uh, because that paints a better picture for you of, of how 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 effective are you, are you being on the ice in terms of limiting those chances and then uh, being able to create chances at the other end. Yeah, and I think a guy like Harris in particular, the, the, one of the big knocks on him is that he's smaller. 
can't clear the front of the net. Yeah. And if he's if he's you know winning the high danger chances, though, that's where those chances come from. And 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 I think it's what's what's in, what's the fun part about what's going on with the Canadians now from a covering them perspective and watching them perspective is that you know yes they're getting performances from the older players like Monaghan, Pearson, Gallagher who are who you know are playing really well. But for the most part, the guys who are leading the this the 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 good parts of this team are the guys you want to see running the good parts of this team. And I think that that's you know it's kind of crazy. You know, Mike Matheson is the only player with more than like one full year of NHL experience under his belt, <laughs> uh, and uh, on that defense. And it's it's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, I mean, that entire first line is you know under twenty five, and and most of the. The, the second line, you know, like most of this Canadians team is, is in our top 25 under 25. Um, so I, I don't, I, you know, it's, it, there's going to be ups and downs. Like we're not the, the, it, we're not ex- like these things are going to happen. These bumps in the roads are going to happen. But w- what it shows is that when a guy like Mike Matheson's not at his best, it, 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 it kind of, uh, uh, you know, puts the team off kilter a little bit. Right. Because, yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's the key of getting a guy like Matheson right again. It's not that you can't trust the other guys. It's just that a lot of the guys look at Mike Matheson uh, <laughs> as kind of like their compass. Uh, and when he's not, you know, pointing in the right direction, um, the team is going to get lost a little bit as well. So, but, you know, all things considered, uh, <laughs> the Canadians, you know, it, you know that that meme where like the, the two people are on a bus and, and one's looking out the window uh, at like this is really like dark weather and one's looking at like the sunshine <laughs> uh it, it's kind of like you know if, if you yeah. told if you told canadians fans and maple Leafs fans that they'd have the same record through 11 games uh th- that's what you would see is is how they're yeah. reacting to, yeah. to their records uh, at this point in time but that's that's the that's the burden of expectations right that's 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 what happens and you know you can even put senators fans in there as well right like they're expected to compete and now they might not have a first round pick next year. Uh, and, and, and a they, lot of, a lot yeah, of, and they may have Peter Cirelli as the new general yeah, manager. They, you know, exactly. You know, it, there's, it, it's kind of funny how quickly things can change because uh, a lot, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, a lot of people were looking at the Ottawa Senators being, oh, the Canadians don't have that level of young talent that the Senators do. And uh, early on through the season, well, it, 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 it results don't dictate that and and there's yeah it, there's a lot of reasons for that um i'm not you know i'm not saying that the the senators are you know gonna have to go through another rebuild again before they make the playoffs that's not what i'm saying uh but you know th- there's a lot more to team building than just having a lot of you know young players scoring goals and and i think that that's you know that's behind a lot of the decisions that canadians have made quite frankly um where it's not all about getting the the top offensive guys. It's about getting guys like Caden Gooley and getting guys like David Reinbacher and getting guys like Owen Beck. Uh, and, and one, I'm going to use that as a segue because, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of this, but one guy who has been as, as criticized as Uri Slavkovsky since they were drafted, ironically on the same day is, is Philip Mashar. And he went to, Laval, you know, was getting four flying minutes at best, was a healthy scratch a lot, goes back to Kitchener in the OHL. And uh, all the people saying that, you know, 
they want to see more offense from him. Well, two goals, seven assists, nine points in five games, almost the two point two points per game. That mm-hmm. that's what you want to see from from a guy like that. It, it doesn't mean that he's absolutely going to succeed, but all those people already writing him off uh, are quickly having to readjust themselves. Well, he he needed something to to kick him in the ass and get him going. Yep. Um, it, it was kind of tough for him to start out this season. And he joined a Kitchener Rangers team that is very vastly different from the one that he joined last year when they sent him down. And you're, you're seeing that as part of a much stronger team, he's able to contribute quite a bit. Uh, they've got Carson Rakoff that's absolutely running roughshod over the OHL. Uh, Hunter Brustevich, or I, I can't even properly pronounce that guy's name, is having a great season as well. Uh, and he's joining a team now that looks like they could make a run at not only an OHL title, but they might be able to make a run uh, at a Memorial Cup. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing for Philip Meshar to be back down in junior hockey. Look at how well things have gone for Joshua Hawa. He had that extra year in junior hockey. Yeah. Philip Meshar is getting essentially the same opportunity that he had, where he's not quite an overager. I don't think he qualifies as an overager with his. No. How old is he? No, he's still, he's still, he's still under 20. Yeah, so he's eligible he's for under 20 years. Um, so there you go he's this is this is probably precisely what they needed to do with him and I know a lot of people are saying well you know maybe they should have left him alone in Europe and they shouldn't have brought him over in the first place well he didn't have a contract in Europe right he would have had to go out and find a team to pick him up and then the Habs would have had less control over that development Uh, I think they get a little bit more control with him being in North America Uh, they get a little bit more contact with him and I don't think at all it's a bad thing for him to be back in junior especially on a strong team like that you could be seeing a Joshua Watt-esque, you know, development from him where next year he gets to come up and he gets to join the the Rocket or maybe even pushes for a roster spot with the Habs and looks that much better for it. Um, that That's a really good team right now in Kitchener and someone that anybody who, who watches junior hockey, I'd say keep an eye on them. I've watched a few games so far this year. They are good and uh, they have legitimate aspirations at an OHL title and beyond. It's kind of funny because you you look at their leading scorers. Mashar is already eighth in team scoring, uh, and he's like eleven games behind everybody else on on the team, uh, or at least the ones that have played every game. Uh, so he's he's eleven games behind, but uh, you know creeping up the the scoring numbers already, and and that's what you want to see from him, right? The the, the oh yeah the the. the the criticism was that oh he was only a point a game last year in the OHL, uh, and you know. I think that you wanted to see his numbers improve and, and that's exactly what's happening. And, um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of players react to negative news differently, right? You look at, you know, guys like Yol Armia, <laughs> how he dealt with going to Laval. You look at Joshua Waugh, how he dealt with going to Laval. And then you look at, you know, William Trudeau and, and, and guys like, obviously he hasn't dealt with it very well, you know, and he's struggling a little bit, you know, this was a disappointment for Mashar, right? Mashar wanted to be in Laval this year. Uh, he yeah. showed that he wasn't quite good enough to be an offensive player there. So the team, I think, made the right decision to send him down where he would get minutes. And he's handled it very well. Like, he's hitting the ground running. And, and you know, he was one of the people kind of overlooked a little bit um, just because there's so many, you know, good young you know, smaller-ish uh, forwards in, in the organization. Uh, but if he can get his his name back up there and in the in the hunt and uh, a good season in the OHL, a good, you know, playoff run, a good World Juniors, uh, and yeah, we're, we're looking at him a little bit differently uh, than we would 
um, normally. And and I and I think that that's you know that's what you want to see. And I, I think it's worth pointing out how good he has been since being sent down because I feel yeah. like there, there's maybe not a prospect in the okay a realistic prospect in the NHL organization <laughs> where expectations were so low for him. Uh, and I think that, you know, him going to the OHL and, and showing up is, is a good sign. Um, Matt, Anton, thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, thank you all for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Bet Online, And uh, we'll see you next time on Half Some Money.